Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Muckoff and we've got a super generous discount code just for you. It's really great to see brands working to reduce their impact on the planet and Muckoff have recently made a big step in launching Punk Powder, their first ever plastic-free bike cleaner. Punk Powder enables them to reduce packaging by 92% compared to a regular cleaner and it means we aren't unnecessarily shipping water around the planet. Just open a compostable sachet of punk powder, which in case you were wondering is printed with vegetable-based inks, pour it into your aluminium bottle for life using the handy cardboard packaging that folds into a funnel, then add one litre of lukewarm water and give it a shake. It's that simple. A couple of seconds later, you've got your cleaner ready to go, which is readily biodegradable and made from plant-based ingredients. I've tried it, it's really easy to mix, it's ready to go in seconds and it works just as well as the already awesome Muckoff Nanotech Bike Cleaner. I managed to clean some pretty stubborn sheep poo off my bike with ease and it left it looking awesome. If you want to try Punk Powder or get your hands on any of the rest of the Muckoff product range, then as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off during the month of September using the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout over on muck-off.com. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20 over on muckoff.com. We're heading into winter, it's about to get sloppy, so definitely time to stock up. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to support the show, then you can get your hands on the full range of merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. As always, it's top quality, organic, and made in a factory using renewable energy and then delivered with no single-use plastics. Head over now and check them out. All the proceeds help support and improve the show. Please make sure you're following the podcast wherever it is you listen. There's going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you're going to get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. It'd also be great if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on and it's always lovely to hear from you in the comments and the messages there. All right, snowshoe round one is complete and boy has it shaken up things for the overall. The racing was nail-biting, the results were awesome and the track is unique and presenting quite a puzzle. As ever, I'm joined by Elliot Jackson and Nico Malali to get into the detail of what went on and there is a lot to discuss. So, without further ado, here's Elliot and Nico. All right, welcome to our first uh, snowshoe round one post-race show it's a busy week for everybody but we figured we'd jump in between the two rounds especially considering things are up in the air and the results were were super exciting we're going to dive straight in to finding out a bit about the track so um nico just give us your thoughts on it you spent quite a lot of time there over the years yeah the track here is a little bit more flat than a normal european track just the lay of the mountain um it's it's pretty long and not as much vertical drop so I think it adds a different element. There's uh there's more carrying speed. There's a bunch of flat rock gardens. Um, and I think it's good over the course of a world cup series to have a few different variations of tracks. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's really the brutal rock garden at the bottom that you see on TV. That's kind of the defining factor of the track. Everything else is, it's fun to ride. It rides fast. Um, there's some cool new jumps that they built for it but there's not as much to separate on that stuff. And once you get into the bottom woods, it's like a minute long rock garden, maybe even longer. That's like really the, the separating factor of the track. And, um, I think that's where you see the race kind of won and lost is in that section. 
What makes that rock garden so hard, Nico? Um, it's just relentless. It's it's a minute long of just gnarly square edge rocks. Um, it's f- it feels narrow when you're riding it. Your pedals are close to things on both sides. Um, it's pretty pretty just rough and j- like you're running into curbs for a minute. <laughs> and then there's a couple of drops in there too that like add like a compression factor to it. And I think it's really a good test on the bikes. Like I think that the end and it gets harder as it goes too. like the last part is like the roughest part of that rock garden. And I think that's like when you come off of that drop that you can see on TV, cross the compression across the road and then into the next rock garden, like it's so rough and it's, it's really a good test of the machines. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just a, it's a tough section to carry speed through. That's what's making it super physical as well, is it? Like there's some some heavy pedals, but that rock garden, there's a lot of your body's getting pretty beat through there. You've got to be trying to stay light on the bike again. Yeah, it's like really important your input to the pedals, like not necessarily jumping things, but where you push in and weight the bike to kind of pump and where you have to be light over an edge to uh to kind of just miss it and carry speed but also to protect the like if you just smash into everything as hard as you can you you see a lot of flat tires here so yeah i think it's just being flat like you have to work a little bit more for the speed and then um a section like that that's so rough that you have to be it's it's kind of like mentally exhausting too it's you have to be very precise with your line to carry good speed through there and uh yeah over the course of like this week, riding it so many days in a row, it's, it's kind of gnarly to go through there. So it just feels like anything could happen when you're going through there really fast. So it's a, it's a tough section. Fair play. Elliot, is that the majority of the puzzling going on there? What sort of stuff were people working on? Yeah, no, I, I think Nico described it perfectly. Like there's, um, I think the bottom, it's like really punishing because if you if you break a little bit, we kind of like saw that on the on the live feed. If somebody slipped a pedal or slipped up a little bit, kind of around that downward left hand turn, then they would be messed up. Like the rhythm would be messed up. You kind of see the bike moving around a lot. It means they're like hitting stuff, and um, it feels like there's a, like a little bit of like a random element to that rock garden. Like you can do it five times, and like every single time will be different. And I think that's a little bit different than a lot of tracks, even the tracks that are really gnarly. Um, like you might not hit a rock uh, going through it one time, and that means you'll get kind of like a clean run or like have a little bit of extra speed, which means you hit the next bit a little bit faster, and there's not really much you can do to like gain or lose speed. Um, I think in the race, a lot of people were kind of puzzling around how Reese made up so much time in the top because he, yeah, like there was a couple people like Dakota and, um, and then same with like Loic who were ahead of him in the rock garden or even coming in or whatever. But yeah, he just made up so much time at the top. And then in that last little, little section. So I think it's kind of like talking to some people. I think maybe he just YOLO'd a bit, uh, through that section that Greg and Loris crashed in. That was kind of like the only thing we could think of, but I would be interested to, to talk to him and see, see what happened. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if people are out on track kind of puzzling over that today, but I, I don't know how much footage there is available for people to, to check what he was doing up there. Right. Cause we didn't see a, a fair chunk of the top of the track. 
yeah, like the first, the first split was pretty much nothing. Um, and then, you know, it almost doesn't matter now because the, that part of the track will be different. So it goes a different way now. So you won't even have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's the thing that this year that stands out to me is like all of the stereotypical things that you would think should happen, like hardly ever happen. Like here, the race was won not in the rock garden. And then we had Reese Wilson win and Thibaut de Prelic, like crash and like all of these things that, you know, the overall should have been easy to wrap up and like, just like so hard to predict this sport. And I feel like over the course of the year, I'm just like, oh yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that feeling to it. Nika, just give us a bit of insight into bike setup. You're back on the M29 uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, I'm riding the M29. I thought the 29er would work well on this track, being that it's flatter. Um, the 27.5 rear wheel is, is really nice to get clearance on some of the steeper tracks. You can get further over the back of the bike. Um, it it might turn a little better in some spots. But this track is pretty, it's got a lot of straightaways and it's fast and it's not too steep. And I thought the 29er would maybe carry a little bit more speed over some of the square edge rocks. So, I don't know. I figured I've got the two bikes. This one sounds better for the job. I might as well give it a go. And it worked well. I thought it, I thought it was good. Um, I think a lot of guys are having trouble through the rock garden, getting a good setup because nothing feels good. And like Elliot said, it's so inconsistent. Most courses you can memorize like every rock and kind of know perfectly where you are on the track. But in a section like that, that's just so much going on. There's literally millions of rocks in that rock garden you can't remember every edge and you're going so quick through it and it's so rough that it's hard to like recognize every bump that you want to avoid or be to the left or the right of you kind of just have to go as fast as you can and be in a good body position to to just kind of handle whatever bumps are coming and that is tough for bike setup because you can't be as consistent through the week with like noticing a difference maybe you just were an inch to the left or right um and it's harder to be inch perfect like elliot says on a trail like that than it is on other sections so it makes the bike setup a little bit more difficult but i think as we're just trying to get a setup that that kind of carried speed a little bit better just being that it's flat um whether it was carrying speed on some of the top sections that were flat or through that rock garden um i made a little change I, I went a little faster with my rebound than i was running i thought maybe it would help the bike to not get hung up on some of the edges and i'm i mean these are minute changes but um that was just one thing that worked for me on this track um i ran my like stanchions a little bit lower like i slid my forks through like five mil lower than i was in europe and I mean, that makes it, I mean, for us, it might seem like nothing, but, um, when we ride all the time, like a five mil change in your bar height, like you can notice the difference in your body position. And I think just the average grade of the track suited a little bit lower front end setup, um, or maybe a more average one. And I was running a higher one in Europe. So yeah, a couple little changes like that, but really just wanted something that carried speed well on this track. Cool. Elliot. Yeah. It was interesting talking to Laurie about it because he was kind of mentioning like you almost want to run 
and Nico, maybe you could like talk about the differences between these two, but um, like he was saying that you can run a soft setup and that gives you consistency, but then you can, you kind of want to run a stiff setup because like that's your speed, uh, especially on a track where you like don't get a chance to really put a bunch of input into the bike. Did you like go back and forth between those two or is there kind of only one option that you have to run a stiff setup if you're trying to win the race? Um, I think that's very rider dependent. Um, I, I did try both actually. I, I had a 550 spring on in the beginning of practice and I tried a 500 as well. I thought maybe the 500 giving it, and, and I mean, I went from like 20% sag to 24% sag. So the bike is stiff both ways. It's not like I'm running it soft by any means. Um, but I just found that running the 500 spring felt like it didn't get hung up as much and I wasn't really having bottom out issues or I wasn't feeling like the bike was slow through the flat sections, um, pumping wise, but it just felt like it carried a little bit more speed to the rocks. So I don't know. I think there's two ways to look at it. Like some riders want to set their bike up in one extreme and harness that as like their superpower. And other riders want to get a bike that's well-balanced and a good, middle ground for all these things. And I think it's to do with your, just who you are, like your mindset, your attitude, how you live your life that dictates kind of like what bike set, bike setup is going to work well for you. And yeah, it's rider dependent, but I, I normally go for like the kind of middle ground, like good average setup personally. And I guess get into a setup that you feel reasonably happy to stay with. And then just convincing yourself that that's right and cracking on and getting used to it is is probably pretty important, right? Limited amount of practice runs. You haven't got that much time to make big changes from a, a stiff bike to a soft bike and back again. Like you got to be you got to be on it. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. That's normally what I try to get onto something that I'm comfortable with is within like a good range that I can I can work and ride, and then I just focus on riding better and learning the track and riding as best I can. But some people like Greg Minar like to change their bike every single run until the last run of practice to feel like they're getting every little bit out of it that they can. And I think more than anything, it gives him like this mental edge that he has worked towards the perfect setup and not only like been dialing in his riding and lines on the track and approach, but also the bike kind of gives him this feeling that like he has done everything when he gets into the start gate. I don't know. To me, that's like, I, I kind of know where I'm going to end up and maybe I'm too realistic about what the setup actually does. And I just try to get myself into a good spot and, and just ride it. But, um, that's why these guys are so good. Like they kind of have that attitude and mindset that they're, they're going to do something super. And they normally do when they get in the start gate as well. Yeah, and it's a, it's a real shame to see Greg not racing the first race there with that AC separation that he suffered. It sounds like a pretty nasty one, but I think he's keen to give it another go. It'd be interesting to see if he if he makes it up the hill uh, for practice and whether we see him in the race too. But either way, Greg, heal up quickly. Um, we won't dwell on quality, but just a few kind of things that stand out to me. The first day is Miriam Nicole kind of decimated the rest of the field there, seven and a half seconds ahead of the rest of the women that must have left the other girls puzzling a bit overnight, Elliot, right? Yeah, I think she's kind of on another level right now. Like you kind of watch her riding and it's visibly faster. She just seems so chill and 
I don't even know. Like it's, it's, I think it's just one of those moments in Ryder's career and like the point in the season, like with all of like the bike, like everything is like come together uh, right now to, to give her this like confidence and skill and um, just the ability to <laughs> just smash everyone. But I was talking to Cammy after qualifying and I know she didn't do a couple of the jumps. I think it's actually really interesting kind of, um, comparing those two because Miriam in the off season like went and did a ton of jumps and really practiced on on kind of that side of things and I think that's probably helped a lot because when you don't even for the men right like no matter who you are when you have something on the track whether it's like a gap or something you haven't done it really weighs on you right like you're thinking about like oh i have to do this like insane root hop or like this big triple or whatever it is and that's what you're focused on down the run i think miriam being able to kind of get that monkey off her back this year has been really nice because like she does the jumps like first couple of rounds and then she does them all 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 week and then cammy kind of is is like the super mature rider where in qualifying she's like yeah like i don't really feel like doing that that like um there's a kind of a transfer double big rock in the landing she's like yeah i don't really feel like it it's like not even gonna worry about it um and she kind of put that out of her head and i don't think it lost her a whole lot of time but even if it did she would be okay with it and uh we kind of see the juxtaposition of like somebody being cool with like not doing all of the fastest lines, which is, I think, really interesting. But yeah, I think all the all the women are kind of figuring out what uh, I don't know, like their correct mindset is. And every single one of the top women is like so much different. Um, and I think it's kind of one of those things where we see the mindset peak at different points. Yeah, for sure. And then the other standout moment, I guess, for me from the qualies was. Uh, was Tebow having a crash, which is going to lose him a few precious points in the overall. We'll talk a bit more about the effect of that later on, but let's get into the racing. Um, and as ever, I don't get to see the junior racing, but just to touch in on it, congrats to uh, Isabella Yankova on another win. She's now 50 points ahead of Phoebe Gale, I think, with 60 for a win in junior. So I think it's still mathematically possible that she, that she doesn't win the overall. Um, but I think, yeah... If I think it would require Phoebe to win and Isabella to be outside of the top four, so that seems fairly solid. Um, and then in the in the junior men's, congrats to Jordan Williams, his first uh, junior men's win at World Cup, um, which is awesome. Uh, but I think, am I right in saying, Elliot, that Jackson Goldston has won the overall at this point? I think he's yeah, seventy not, points ahead. I'm not sure. I think he okay. did. I saw on the one of the Fox posts that. They were talking about the him wrapping it up yesterday. Pretty impressive uh, for someone everyone considered as a free rider, but yeah, yeah. boys come in and crushed it. So exciting racing, and, and maybe one day we'll get to see some of that coverage on TV as well. Let's let's move into the elite women's racing. Um, first win in the elite women for Valley Hole. It's something that I guess everyone expected to happen, perhaps including Valley earlier in the season than it did but it's finally happened. The monkey's off her back. Elliot, have you um, had the chance to speak to her since? Yeah, I talked to her kind of right before the award ceremony. And 
yeah, she was super stoked as you can imagine. But I, I asked her like, do you think having no crowd here on a Wednesday, like none of your family's here, um, is kind of one of the things that made it a little bit easier. And she's like, yeah, it's kind of bittersweet, right? Because like throughout the, the year I've had my family there, I've had my mom there and, um, raced in my home country and stuff like that. But now this race, like way less pressure on her. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I asked her what she felt like going into, um, going into Saturday and she's like, yeah, like, I feel good. I want to do it again. But like, yeah, Miriam is flying right now. You know, we saw just to touch on her, like she was up by a couple seconds, like she has been all, all year and then kind of made this uncharacteristic mistake in the rocks. Like as we were talking about, um, when we were highlighting the track, just front wheel hit a little bit of a rock and um, just kind of slid out, uh, got back going. And then something was up with her bike. I don't know if she was, had to fix something and then, you know, move on. But yeah, it's just like a good, good for Valley. And I think that she'll take that confidence and know that she can do it. And almost just to like more, it's definitely one of those ones. It's more of a relief than a uh, celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Fair comment. And then yet again, consistency from Cami Belonchnico. She just seems to be able to turn it up, get the job done, always consistently up there in the mix now, which is uh, is super impressive, really. Like the progression over the last couple of years is phenomenal, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's really impressive. I think when you're in that situation and you can make these incremental steps, it just kind of builds your confidence. And then every weekend you have the belief that you can do a little bit better than you did last time, even if it's just a small amount. And and then over the course of two years, that can get you to a pretty, pretty high spot. And it's made her so consistent as she is. And, um, and I think just like to have the mindset, like Elliot said, to not feel the pressure to do a certain feature that she's not comfortable on and be totally okay with that and not feel like she's not good enough or that she's going to be losing a ton of time and stressed about it elsewhere just do her best run and play to her strengths um that that takes a lot of mental confidence and it's cool to see her have that approach and be able to ride as consistently as she is yeah for sure another rider that seems to be well and truly back on form after that accident earlier in the year marine cabaroo um she saw uh, saw she said on social media that she made a few fairly sizable mistakes in her run um which you know still slotted her into third place uh, five or six seconds back, got to be a threat, hey Elliot, for uh, for the second round of the weekend. Yeah, I think so. Like she really excelled at this track um, in 2019, and it feels like she's just kind of getting better and better, getting more and more confident. Like interviewing her here, she didn't really talk about her injury, and you know said that she was feeling good riding stuff like that so i think she she's she's definitely one of those those women that are like i can't i don't like know what she's feeling like the i don't know if anyone here has like seen her interviews how she's just like yeah i had a good run and uh i felt good and yeah so i think i'll try again on saturday (laughs) like i'm like yeah. So, uh, what was the wildest moment in your run? Uh, yeah, I had a few wild moments and it was 
good. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to like get a, a gauge on like how she is um, is like feeling internally, but at the, at the same time, you would also say that like she's really even. Like she doesn't stress a whole bunch. She doesn't like um, get worked up about like a lot of different things. And you know, again on a track like this with a lot of jumps, like she's comfortable with that stuff. So like I was saying, the women's field like has all of these mindsets where they're so different, but they work so well and they're all like so strong at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Tani Seagrave fifth place. She's talked pretty openly on social media about having a bit of a tough time with this track, particularly getting to grips with the rock garden. It looked like she was riding a full 29er again, Elliot. Have you got any insight there? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen that, but, um, or I, not that she's not, but like, I have no idea, <laughs> but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised, um, with the kind of the same thing that Nico said, like any advantage that you can get kind of rolling over these rocks. I know for the women there's right before the wild zone. So it's a steep bit before you, um, under the, underneath the lift there's a rock that you have to go over. And that's definitely a hard one for the women because they're so much shorter. And even in the men's see a bunch of slow motions and like your butt is like two inches from the tire. So if you have shorter legs and stuff like that, that, that section's a difficult one. So that would be maybe one of those things that you would have to worry about. But other than that, um, track, you know, like we've been talking about, it's not super steep so you can kind of get away for it, get, get away with it maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'd like to know, uh, maybe you can scoot past the pits and we'll check back in on that for the part two. But yeah, so Miriam, I mean, it's a fair loss of potential points, but fair play, she still managed to recover from that crash to take fourth. So it's not a complete disaster by any stretch of the imagination. Um, she now has a 90-point lead, I think, over Cami and 110 over Valley. So she hasn't got enough of a lead really to sort of play it safe. Like she does need to get a reasonable finish. Um, technically, Tani is still in the mix too, although it's a bit more of a of a long shot. Nico thoughts on kind of mindset coming into that for Miriam, like she can't play it safe, but if she goes too hard and crashes again, she's probably going to lose that overall. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, she, she showed that she is pretty good on this track. Like I think if she wouldn't have had that issue in her run yesterday, she would have, she would have probably won the race. So I think for her, it's just trying to clean it up and just have a, a solid race run. Um, I, I think she, it's definitely not out of reach to just put down a clean run and be able to do as much as it takes for her to win. Um, maybe she doesn't need to push it absolutely as hard through some of those more, more risky sections, but, um, whatever her approach is, just put a clean run down on it. I think that should be good for her. She, on the top of the track for somebody who, claims that she doesn't like jumps and isn't good at jumping. She was looking awesome on all those jumps and features. Um, so that was cool. And I think, yeah, just have a good clean run and that's got to be the winning ticket. Excellent. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting finale for sure. Let's, um, let's move on and chat about the men's racing. First up, Nico, how, how did you feel with your run? Cause qualies were pretty strong, right? Yeah. I, I, um, I had a pretty good quality. I was, finished 33rd and I've, I flatted right at the end of the rock garden and felt it was low when I came out and came across that pedal. 
and I thought it was going to go down. So I pedaled as hard as I could to try to, um, I didn't want to have, I didn't want to have any issues like just missing out. Um, but I, I, luckily I made it to like where I dropped it on the last section and like hit that double in the woods with a flat tire and, and made it through to the finish. And so I was pretty happy to be like, I was seven seconds back and I probably lost like two seconds maybe with that. Um, and then race day, I, I pretty much just went like as fast as I would have gone if I didn't flat, I was like, Oh, just about two seconds quicker, but everybody else was faster too. So, um, I ended up 41st, which yeah, I was definitely hoping for a little more on this track, but, um, just can't ride super clean and safe. You got to ride absolutely pinned to be up there with those boys. So, um, it's cool to have the feeling like you got another shot in a couple days is like rare that you've got another chance at it. So that's at least a positive to try to use that as motivation for this next race. For sure. Yeah. And let's talk about, uh, some more of the U S riders. Charlie Harrison had a, a really solid run 1.7 off the lead and some nice creative line choices. Hey, Elliot. Yeah. He, he took a couple of like super high lines, um, that I hadn't really seen anyone else do. And I, I feel like this was Charlie's kind of like, Hmm. <laughs> it's like his race. Like he needed this race for confidence. Um, I think this was probably the race that he was looking forward to, uh, coming back, right? Like all of the other world cups that he'd been to were kind of a lead up to this moment. Cause he got third here in 2019 and he knew he could do well here, especially going into the off season. You kind of want to have that confidence and that, um, that belief that you're back on pace and have something to work for and, and something like that. So, yeah, he was riding great. Uh, top 10 for him. It's just like crazy. Really, really cool. I think that's like a yeah. rare club to be in, uh, to be able to come back from a injury and then smash it like that. Definitely. Yeah. Another US based rider, Dakota Norton, just missed out on the podium. And he's the only rider that I saw take that kind of left hand high line near the top of the track. Nico, have you got any thoughts on on that? I think he was the only guy doing it, certainly in the in the live feed. Um, I don't, I don't know which one you're exactly referring to. Uh, there was like um, on the live feed. There's a. It looks like it drops left. Most people were going low and then kind of oh, okay. jumping out exactly into a right hander. Yep. Yeah. That's like a classic like snowshoe bike park route. And if you ever come and ride here that section is the trail that everybody kind of uses. And, uh, I, I thought they were kind of both the same. I, I don't really think there was much in it either way. Um, the other, the way that most of the other guys went during the world cup might've been a little smoother, but, um, I, I think maybe for Dakota, like you go the main line so many times you, that you've been here that it's kind of familiar. So you just stick with it and not worry about it too much. Um, but that section is going to be changed actually for the next race. We'll have like the, the big step down and the jump in the ski slope. Like we had last, last time we raced at snowshoe. So yeah, I don't think that line was too much of a factor for Dakota. Um, I'm sure he was man, bittersweet to like miss. I think he was only 0.1 off of being on the podium. Um, and the, and those opportunities are few and far between. So but he's got to be happy with himself. He's not like a guy who lays it all on the line and is like just risking everything and 
crashing and missing or something like that. Like the past few races, he was seventh and then sixth. Like he's just riding himself and being consistent and getting super good results and really close to the podium. So I don't think he should change anything. Just keep doing your thing and, um, and he'll be on it soon enough, maybe even in two days. Yeah. Good stuff. Before we get to podium riders, I guess, big news, Thibaut Duprella, uh, something happened, whether the wheel exploded and he crashed or he hit something, exploded the wheel and then crashed. I don't know. Anyone got any insight into that? Has anyone heard any more about that incident? Yeah, they, um, it was on the live feed. So there's like a little in the rock garden, there's a bridge and I don't know if there's maybe a little, uh, little rock coming off of it or maybe just got a little unsettled, but looked like his front wheel just kind of went out from him a little bit. And then the track has a little bit of a dip. So he like front wheel starts to push and starts understeering. Um, and then all of his weight kind of just went over the front end and yeah, just like smashed the wheel. I don't think it was, uh, I think for sure he made a mistake. Um, but just us talking about like that random element kind of thing, like the same thing, you know, Miriam had the same thing happen where front tire just went out a little bit, lost her balance and kind of the same thing happened to Tebow, but just got really unlucky that there was a, the front tire got stuck in a rut, um, through his, through his weight over the front end and then exploded the wheel. I don't think it was kind of like the wheels fault or anything like that. Uh, just, just a super unlucky thing. Do you know if he's carrying anything injury-wise as a result? It was a pretty hard crash. Sorry, no, go on, I think he's, Oh, I think he's all good, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to touch on the wheel. I wonder if he maybe got like a slow puncture, maybe hit something and the tire was low, then maybe hit the rim and cracked it before he hit that compression. Like it seems like that shouldn't happen in that situation. Um, I mean, that compression is, yeah. is definitely a G out and and there's like, you're turning in it and there's a root and rock in there, but, um, it had to be like a little issue that was going on leading up to that, uh, some damage that caused that to happen. Yeah. And that's, uh, um, that is interesting because so talking to you, somebody was saying that there, I think it was one of the filmers. He was saying that the, like the whole commensal team is just like running super low pressure. Um, and just like, you can hear their tires or, like the rocks hitting the rims, um, the whole way down the track. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. I was watching during time practice and their bikes sounded like they were running really low pressure and maybe low spoke tension too. Like I was, uh, I was standing next to Tebow Ruffin at one point and both of their guys came through and I was like, man, Tebow, how many wheels did you bring? You're going to need them all <laughs> the rate they're going. Um, <laughs> So yeah, they were doing something funny and I don't know. It's interesting because like that definitely is like a nice feeling when the, you got low pressure and rocks like that, like, especially when it's wet, maybe not as much yesterday, but when you've got low pressure, it just feels like it takes the harshness off and you can, you can push in a little harder and go where you want, but you run that risk of cracking or denting a rim and having a mechanical. And I don't know, for me, it's, it just seemed like not a risk that I wanted to take. Like I was running normal pressure and got a cracked rim in my quality run. Um, I, I would think that that wouldn't be really the, the right approach, but I mean, who knows what they were ended up running in their race run. They might've got back to a normal setup, but, um, regardless, just 
yeah, bummer to see, like we talked about Tebow being so consistent and then to have a race where he scores zero points over quality and final is like kind of the worst thing that could have happened, but he seemed positive about it. Like he was stoked to still be in the leader's Jersey and wear it in the final race. And it all seemed like he was in a good positive mindset. So good for him. Yeah. I was going to save this until we talked about a few more riders, but as we're talking effectively talking about stiffness, I found this pretty interesting this week because that rock garden is pretty unique in its demands compared to anything else we have on the circuit at the moment. And I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting. There was only one carbon frame on the men's podium, no carbon wheels, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there's also, which is pretty rare, no Fox Forks on the men's podium, only Rock Shocks and Olins. And I'm fairly sure that the Fox Forties are a stiffer chassis, certainly than the Boxers by, by a fair bit. Any thoughts on how overall stiffness of the bike and the wheels is impacting performance through those rocks anyone got any thoughts um i I would say it's a tough one because like there's other spots on the top of the track like some of the berms and some of the high speed sections where like i was running normal pressure and rolling the tires and like at the limit of the casing um and the bike will like flex in some of those berms where you want to carry speed but then like you say through some of those like flatter rock gardens you want something more compliant um so yeah, uh, it's it's tough. I I th- I think maybe there's a lot of more more factors at play than maybe the the set the the forks and the rims. Like those riders are just good and did well on the track. But um, it's definitely an interesting correlation to make. And um, yeah, maybe maybe that is something to consider. Yeah, there yeah. was. I watched the box dialed this yeah. morning. Tani and, and Brooke both saying they were really struggling to get any kind of setup through the rocks that wasn't causing the front wheel to ping off things, whether they were going steady or aggressive, changing all sorts of stuff setup wise. Elliot, yeah, any thoughts from your side? Yeah, I think um, there it was impossible to not ping off of stuff. Like, and I think that maybe that was like one of the things. Like when you watch the live feed, like no one look smooth through there like dakota looked really really good um and then maybe there was like one or two other people that really were crazy precise to not have their bike being off stuff but um yeah there wasn't i think it was more of a mindset thing to to accept that like there is no perfect there and you're going to ping off stuff and it's really about trying to kind of limit that because i don't know for me the like the stiffness kind of debate, kind of the same thing as we were talking about with Lori, where you can run a softer setup or a you know looser bike or whatever you want to call it, but it's not going to be as direct. And so um, you kind of lose that feeling of being able to control where you want it to go um, and being able to be inch perfect and, and stuff like that. So I think it's, yeah, like Nico was saying, I think that there's a lot, lot more, lot more to it, and um, it's uh, there is like a whole track as well. Like we're talking about the rocks, but you know, mentioned that you know Reese made up half a second on everyone on a straight bit of track, um, and and so yeah, I think that it's kind of kind of what I was saying at the beginning is just like in downhill, it's you can't really. 
um, reduce it to just like a stiff bike setup or loose bike setup or this part of the track or that part of the track because um, throughout the year I think we've shown that like yeah you can make a have a second on a jump and a flat grass turn or um, whatever it is yeah for sure let's let's talk about a few of those podium riders first one in fifth place Mark Wallace I mean he's a rider that is super consistent he's always up there in the top chunk but he's not a regular face on the podium so super cool to see him get that what do you think's gone on there any any thoughts is there a kind of end of season push thing going on is it just a track that suits his style of riding i mean he's used to slippery steep stuff i guess from where he comes from but yeah any thoughts nico yeah i was hanging out at the finish line when um when he realized that he was going to be on the podium with one guy to go and he was he was almost surprised like i i think mark has the same approach to every race he's like very dedicated and very um organized and just does his ride doesn't worry about what other people are doing rides very consistently i think he's pretty strong because he always builds through his runs too like he's always strong at the bottom doesn't always start out like a blistering pace um but doesn't really seem to hold him back like he at the end is like putting some of the fastest splits down almost consistently at every race I think that maybe suited him just being like um, a stronger guy and being able to get through the a physical track well. Um, but I, I don't think he did anything that he wouldn't normally do. He just uh, had a had a good run, good clean run, and that was good enough for the podium. So awesome to see Mark's such a nice dude and just such a relatable dude to everyone in the in the in the pits. So everybody's rooting for him, and it's awesome to see him do well. Yeah, it was awesome to see. And I believe with Finn Isles stepping into fourth, I think that's the first time there's ever been two Canadians on a World Cup podium, which is a, a pretty awesome thing. And yeah, great to see Finn delivering a rider with a huge amount of potential who's had some horrific crashes along the way. Um, but yeah, great to see him getting in there. Loris Vergier, again, incredible run. But I think he knew it wasn't going to be enough, right? I mean, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, like, I heard uh, I heard Loic Loic say that he was he didn't well in the interview he said he didn't think that it was going to be enough um, and I think that was maybe like for two reasons because he didn't have like the best run in his mind but then at the same time I think maybe it was also being surprised by Reese and so when you have a Loic and a Loris coming down the track and then the top riders know what a good run is like so much, but then in, you kind of have this idea of like who should beat you, who shouldn't. Um, and I think when Reese came down and kind of did that, it was surprising to, to both of them. Yeah, it was, it was cool to see though, a huge amount of support from those guys for Reese. They seem genuinely happy to get beaten by him in the long run. And that is his first elite world cup win. I mean, a lot of people, have shed doubt, I guess, over the world champs win due to the weather and everything that went on there. But you definitely 100% cannot argue with this. That's got to feel good and breed some confidence in a rider who already looks like he's brimming with it, to be fair. Like he's riding for the majority of the season has looked like he's he's incredibly confident on the bike and with what he can do. What do you think, Nico? That was a hell of a run, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And and like... I, I wouldn't have picked Reese to win this race. Not, not no, like no disrespect to him, but 
what he's normally good at riding is like wet, steep, and this was dry, flat, and rocky. So it it, it just wasn't like a what I would imagine a Reese Wilson track to be. So for him to put it together and and do it on this really proves that he's a good all around rider, and hopefully it gives him the confidence to not feel like he has his tracks picked out and that he could actually win on any weekend. Um, yeah, he rode great. He, um, like Elliot said, made so much time at the top. He, he didn't look amazing through the rocks. I, I thought that he kind of was losing speed through there when compared to seeing Loic and some of the other guys go right before him, but, um, held it together enough. And then like on on maybe a bike that you wouldn't say is is great for pedaling and and pumping at the last split with the sprint and the jumps made up the time to win the race so i awesome man like it just wasn't wasn't like what you would predict but he made it happen and like elliot said it's just like the racing is so unpredictable these days we can talk about it all we want but it's it's cool to have a sport that you can go and watch and anything can happen and you don't know what's, uh, it's just, it's not guys just riding around out there and you can predict it. It's, uh, it's cool to see so many variables. Yeah. And I mean, Loic had his little carbon cover back on his bike again and his button on his handlebars, I guess have to assume that some sort of uh, pl- maybe pedal platform or something to help on the pedaling sections of the track. So you'd kind of think he'd be pretty damn quick in that bottom chunk, but somehow Reese put about half a second into him down there. He was two and a half kilometers an hour faster through that lower speed trap than Loic. Elliot, from from sitting and watching all that, any thoughts on what Reese did? Because it really didn't look that different. I've I've watched both of them back multiple times and I can't can't obviously see anything different between the two of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean we've been talking about the top and the bottom. Like I think it's pretty incredible that Reese made up one point what two on Loris in 30 seconds of track and 30 seconds of like easier track, you know, and then almost a second on Loic as well. So that's like crazy. And then at the bottom, I remember when he came out of the woods, I had kind of commented like, Oh, he's in a really hard gear. Like, I don't know if that was a mistake, but then he made it work. So maybe that was what did it. Like if you can pedal that hard gear, if you have enough strength to pedal the hard gear and, um, and carry that speed because you kind of have to be that, that pedal is like, you're not only trying to make time there, but like, that's kind of your speed all the way to the finish. So yeah, you, if he was able to get some extra speed, like on the pedal, then yeah, maybe that's where he made it up. It was interesting to see, him come across the line because in qualifying and in finals, like he was just absolutely smoked, like so, so tired. And this track is probably the most physical one of the year because you at the top, you have to like empty the tank and then you're trying to recover in the rock garden, but you can't because you are just like holding this position um, and your legs and your hands get so tired. And then at the bottom you have another sprint. So I think he, He's obviously insanely fit um, and then just got that bottom section, I guess, perfect. Yeah. I wonder, he took the line up by the Oakley banners on the left of that last rocky turn where Loic went inside of the tree. I wonder if he managed to carry more speed out that we didn't really see impact that split, but it meant he carried more speed into the start of the sprint, more speed out of the sprint, and then 
made up that time in the lower section maybe who knows yeah and i think that um after that rock garden it's really that left-hand turn is pretty temperamental like you don't really want to break there but you kind of have to there's nothing to hold you and if you slide out there i think maybe we saw danny or or Lori uh, back in kind of got away from him and you know there's all your speed for the pedal so yeah i think that that left-hand turn is super important yeah interesting stuff well i mean a bit of a shocker for tebow lost basically the vast majority of his lead so i think uh loris is less than 50 points behind loix just over 100 back and technically reese is still in the mix too so We've got a hell of an exciting race to come. Nico, what are you uh, what are you expecting weather-wise? What's the forecast? I've seen rumors of rain, but what are you seeing on the ground out there? Um, yeah, it rained a little bit yesterday evening, um, and that's that's kind of makes it even worse. Like in the mornings, it's been a little bit greasy on the track just because it's later in the season. It's kind of cold at night. It's uh, It's dark in the woods. So earlier practices have been like moisture coming out of the ground and getting drug over the rocks. And maybe even just with this little bit of rain is like the worst, like most dangerous feeling to the riders coming through that rock garden. You almost wanted to like rain a lot or don't rain at all. Um, but when it's like this, you can go just as fast. There's just grease all over everything. So that's tough. Um, but yeah, it looks like some rain in the forecast and, and it might be exactly what I said, like not a lot. Um, it's tough to predict up here. Like snowshoe normally earlier in the season is worse than later in the season. They've been lucky with weather kind of this time of year, but, uh, it's like, you can never predict the weather up here. It's, it's technically a rainforest for the amount of rainfall they get. And I've got a lot of memories of coming to snowshoe as a kid and being muddy all weekend. So I wouldn't be surprised if it rains. Um, I think there's a, a hurricane coming through like the, the Gulf right now. And that I, I don't think we're going to have any winds or anything like that coming up to snowshoe. But if there's something like that on the coast, often on the East coast, we'll get in the mountains, just rain, um, affected from it. So I don't know how that's going to affect things this weekend or, or how that's going to progress, but it's definitely like, uh, perfect 50% chance of rain in the forecast for the next couple of days, which is, yeah, obviously could go either way. Roll the dice. Yeah. Elliot, how do you think riders are going to play qualies? And certainly the riders that are in it for the uh, the overall, because there's no points. Maybe they want to know where they are. Maybe they don't want to show their hand. Clearly don't want to get hurt. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's unique. I haven't really talked to any of them. I know that uh, a lot of people talked about just doing like one run or two runs, maybe three runs uh, in practice today. And because they did change the track so that you have to go and look at it but maybe you would just do a cruiser run and like a kind of track walk run on your bike check out the track and then um, go down maybe do a couple and then in, in qualifying yeah like there's no points we mentioned how kind of random the track is it rained um, so kind of all signs to me point to a chiller one but then at the same time you can't just have a chill week and then come out and do some crazy world cup winning run so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people play it. Definitely, definitely. And Nico, much difference to the track for the, the second race of the week? Um, we're we're going to go look at it here as soon as we get off this podcast. But uh, from, from what I could see, um, looking at it, 
when we were coming up the chairlift after the race, there's a, at the top, there's a different section where we're going to hit, um, some more jumps. So instead of like that kind of single track part where you saw Greg hit the tree or Lars hit the tree, we'll be doing a drop and then cutting across the ski slope and hitting a big step down. Um, so that'll be, that'll be neat to, to have a different change. I, I probably preferred the, the route that we took yesterday just cause it's like a single track mountain bike trail with roots and rocks on it rather than big jumps on the ski slope. Um, and then down towards the, what they call the wild zone, which is that steep section. It looked like they had taped, um, kind of like the old route before they built this for the world cup, which is just more of the lower rock garden instead of the steep straightaway under the chairlift. And is, I, I kind of thought they would do it the other way around, like on the weekday race, run the maybe less exciting to watch, but more technical trail. And then on the weekend when maybe there's more spectators run the, the big steep feature under the chairlift. Um, but in saying that maybe with the rain coming in, it actually is going to work out well because that steep chute is like red clay, hard packed and no braking traction. So definitely don't want to send it down that in the rain. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two main changes. We'll see if they do any like a pole here and there. I, I thought to like tell um, Jorge, like, man, it'd be cool if you like just move a couple poles, but I, I, then I was like, man, he's so busy. I'm not going to bother him with like my little track changes that I think would be good. But if they did, it would be cool to see just like a few changes of tape here and there moving a pole in or out could like affect some of those sections where there was multiple lines. And at the first race, one kind of developed to be the main line. Um, just changing like the tape a bit could make the other one become more of the main line. So it'll be interesting to see if they knew anything like that but yeah really just two like two main sections that i saw which will end up being probably 20 for 20 percent of the track 25 percent of the track that'll be different so yeah keep it interesting for the second race nice one all right good stuff well yeah the first race delivered everything's up in the air we're gonna have to wait a couple of days to see where it all lands but once it does we'll get you guys back and uh, and chat all about it but thanks for your time we'll let you get to work and uh, yeah speak to you in a couple of days Thank you. Thanks. All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Muckoff for supporting this episode of the show. They've just launched their first plastic-free bike cleaner, Punk Powder. And as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off that and the rest of the range by using the code DOWNTIME20 over on muckoff.com during September. Head there now and check out what they have to offer. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our full range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a little bit of time, then there's a few ways you can help. First, and most importantly, tell your rider mates about the podcast, because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Secondly, please give the episode a share on your social media. It's an awesome way to spread the word. It's great to get some buzz going around the episodes, and it's really nice to see you enjoying what I'm putting out there. Then, if you've got a little bit of time still spare, a review on Apple Podcasts goes a really long way. All right, we're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs) 